Hey everybody, welcome to The Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribble's fame. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on G-Town Radio. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our walk down the lane of vampires during this horror month of October. It all ends on October 28th at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House when we screen Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett in Vampire in Brooklyn. Tonight, our walk takes us to 1998 and Wesley, Snipe, Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson, Stephen Dorff, and Mbushi Wright with a cameo by Sinai Lathan. Yes. In Blade. Blade. Vince's choice. Yes, indeed. For this stop on the yes, Michelle indeed. mission. But before we get there, as always, ladies and gentlemen, we like to and deeply, deeply enjoy going through all of the feedback that we get back from you on email at Mission at gmail.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. We got a few emails here, Vince, so let's uh, run through them real quick. We got an email from Lori Dean. Okay. Hey, Lori. Uh, who said, thanks for doing films from the black horror aesthetic. Just thought you might be interested to see this, which has a list of some other films at the bottom. And she sent us a link. Nice. Uh, to a story about how Get Out inspired a UCLA class yeah. to get students to dig into portrayals of race and fear. Tana Nana Rave Do. And I know I said it wrong. And right, she, right. she was a guest a on my fine show. Au- I was about to say, a fine author in her own right. Definitely fantastic science fiction yeah. officer. Uses the acclaimed blockbuster to examine how depictions of blackness have shaped real life prejudice i thought that is uh, a very cool it's a very cool yeah. story that ran on the uh, ucla newsroom yeah yeah and jordan peele actually showed up the yes the class yeah yeah it's pretty cool it's a, yeah, a story it's by cool. uh, jessica wolf um we will uh send put a link to that story in our facebook group for people to check out very nice it's very cool so thank you Lori, for yes, sharing thank that with you. us good looking out we appreciate that we also heard from Joseph Lechuga. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joseph's been sort of talking all week yeah, on the Facebook group. He's been rocking out. Yeah. Uh, hey, missionary men. The road to 100 has been great. The, the discussions have been excellent. It goes without saying that Simone and Dorian Missick were amazing for Strictly Business. It would be negligent not to recognize Jordan Calling's brilliance for her part of the discussion of Crooklyn. I look forward to each episode. You guys keep raising the bar. Thank you, thank you, and yes, those are those those are quality folks right there. Most definitely, uh, gotta get Jordan back. Yeah, we do. Uh, she's local. She is very yeah. local. She's right here in Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. and actually, um, it, that gives me an opportunity to let people know that listen to us our radio broadcast on WPPMLP. 106.5 FM here in Philadelphia to let you know that all, the Michelle Mission 
day has changed. We no longer air on Wednesdays. Our show airs on Monday, excuse me, Saturday. on Saturdays yeah. at 1 p.m., where it follows Jordan's show, Philly on Location. Yes. A look at the uh, Philadelphia movie scene uh, th- via the different sets and people that have starred in movies that have featured um, Philadelphia. So you tune into WPPM or you can stream it on phillycam.org and you can listen to Philly on Location and then The Michelle Mission. Two hours of movie fun from 12 to 2 on Saturdays on WPPM. Uh, Joseph continues, in the discussion of Scream, Blackula Scream, there's something that I may be reading into the text that nonetheless is a part of horror. Okay. When someone dies and then comes back, there uh, there are personal personality consequences, whether Frankenstein, Reanimator, or Pet Cemetery. The person that comes back is twisted into a darker version. The other possibility is something that flatliners, uh, like flatliners, where crossing over with the intent of coming back tends to bring something with them. So. Well, probably not in the mind of the scriptwriter. It doesn't seem out of line for Prince Mama Walde to come back as Blackula. As Blackula. On the voodoo portion, it might be worth noting that Live and Let Die came out at the same time. I cannot say with any certainty (laughs) whether there was a larger cultural interest in the subject or if the producers of Scream, Blackula Scream, were trying to tap into part of the Live and Let Die audience. Damn it, Joseph. Now you got me wanting a James Bond Blackula crossover. Uh, only if we can resurrect Roger Moore to play James yes, Bond. Yes, because it has to be seventies James Bond. Yes, it yeah. does. It does. It can't be a, very, a too old Sean Connery. Right, right. Who's, it's got to be who's just tired and cranky. Yeah, it's got to be Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Yeah, and all his Rogerness. <laughs> that's that's actually a nice catch. They both came out the same year. It is. That's a good catch. I did not even think about that. We also heard from your cousin, Sherry D. Hey! Cake, cheesecake, and pie. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, gentlemen. I was concerned as I listened to the beginning of this week's episode. But then I came to my senses thinking, if their partnership survived the driving Miss Daisy debate... (laughs) It'll surely withstand the cake pie debate. (laughs) Well, we actually got through the last Dragon Wars. Yes. So everything else is is nothing. We've been through the fire. It's all cake after that. Now, I'll admit, I was worried when cupcakes were thrown into the cake mix. See what I did there? Cake mix? Yes. Sorry. Oh, God, she's your cousin. But it all turned out fine. And I had a slice of marble cake later that day. Nice. I love that the episode started with that conversation. Funny, relatable stuff. Keep doing what you do the way that you do it, please. Thanks, Sherry D. Right. Now, Sherry D, I don't think this is my cousin. Oh, no, you're right. It's Sherry D. I'm, right, I'm, right, I'm, right, I'm, right, right. You're right. It's Sherry. I, I mean, I, we might be cousins. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Because because you your cousin is Sheri Sheri C H E R I, right? Oh God, don't ask me to spell it. 
You know yes, yes, it is. And this H. is C H A R I. Yes. So this is Shari. Yes. So this is Shari D. Hey, yeah. Shari D. So it's not your cousin. We all cousins. Speak for yourself. <laughs> so uh, then, on the show, you were talking about our Facebook group. Yes, yes, yes. Popping. It's been popping. Uh, we put up a poll. Well, I think I think you may have actually put yeah, up this yeah, poll. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to say. Um, at, since we had asked about people's favorite black movie girlfriend, yeah, we asked the counter question: Who is your favorite black movie boyfriend? boyfriend. Yes. Um, and we, you put up a. It looks like you put up four options. Yes. You put up Alan Payne. Alan Payne. Who got no votes. No votes for Alan Payne. And I'm happy for that. No no, Not- no Jason's Lyric fans. You put up John Shaft, who appears to have gotten a couple of votes. Okay. I can't see. Like, who would see? Wait, J- I didn't put John Shaft. Now, John Shaft is on there. Oh. Somebody put, maybe somebody wrote him in. Right, right, right. Morris Chestnut. I put up Morris Chestnut. Thought he'd be a clear... Front runner, but no, but no. Running away with this is Lorenz Tate. Lorenz Tate. He'll say bad beat poetry to you and make you some eggs with your shirt off. I liked his poetry. <laughs> it, the poetry wasn't bad, but it launched reams and reams of paper. It did with bad poetry on it. It did. Now we did have some a couple of votes though. Um, we had some votes for uh, one vote apiece. Charmel voted for Charmel Scipio voted for Tate Diggs. Okay, all right. Who I could have I could have seen people getting a, him getting a few more than a few votes. Okay. Uh, my cousin. Okay. Reed Lawson. All right. She voted for Omar Epps. Omar Epps. See Omar Epps. I can see a lot I'll of people play you from my heart. Get, get him getting it from love and basketball. Yeah, I played from my heart. And then Leanne Lindsay, Buttercup Trouble of Tinsel and Time, mm-hmm. she gave a vote for Michael Ely. Michael Ely, old blue eyes. Yeah. Hmm. You know what? Um, I think we talked about this. What was? Uh, oh, oh God! What was the name of the? We were just talking about with Regina Hall. The Girlfriends. remake. No, the remake that that Michael Ely was just in. It was a black version of something. It's one of the few black black versions of a movie that I like. Oh, what was the name of that movie? You know what I'm talking about. It was Michael Ealy, Kevin Hart, um, Regina Hall. Oh, what a remake of a movie. Yes. I don't know. I don't know what remake they did. Yes, you do. No, I don't. I don't know what movie yeah, remake they did. About last night. Remember they remade about last night a few years ago. Oh, was that a remake? It was. Remember it was like a, a, a late eighties, early nineties film. Not really. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, did you see it? No. Surprisingly good. Really? Like mathematically, there's no way it should have been as good as it was. Why do you say that? Because of the cast? Because of the cast? Because it was a remake of a film that was just sort of okay. okay. Yeah. And and yeah, but it was surprisingly good. Was it better than the original? Yes. And why so, do you think? I think that the cast crackled more. Okay, it had a little bit more chemistry. Had, had a little bit more chemistry. Now, you would think I would remember um, who played Ely's love interest. But it's, it's um, oh, Joy, Joy Bryant. 
Oh, okay. Joy Bryan, a, an actress who I think doesn't work enough. Not enough. And yeah. I say she doesn't work enough because she was on that show for like seven years that I never watched one episode of. On, uh, on NBC. On NBC? Yeah, she was on some show. It was like it was like a, a proto version of This Is Us. Oh, really? Oh. She was like one half of the cast. But I like Joy Bryant. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I've seen her a few times. About I like last her. night, surprisingly good. Okay, I believe so. that. Well, Michael Ely, he got a vote from Leanne Lindsay. Okay, all right. Um, and I could have seen him or Omar Epps um, giving Lorenz a, a, a run for his money. Well, you know, Lorenz Tate is iconic. I think he is iconic. iconic. Like he's, he's actually like... Because Love Jones is not an iconic film. Yeah, yeah. And Omar Epps, because he's in love and basketball, and that kind of being considered... Also iconic. Iconic yeah. film. I think that, that gives him... Would have given him some play. The only reason I wouldn't say Tate Diggs is because as much as people like brown sugar, right. and a lot of people do like brown sugar, yeah. Tate Diggs is a jerk in prime. He's actually sugar. a jerk in that and the best man. Yeah, he is a little bit of a He's jerk. actually a jerk in the best man. Like a lovable jerk. And the best man's wedding. Like, I think it's actually hilarious that Tate Diggs is not a cool dude in any of the movies that we talk about Tate Diggs in. The character, not Tay Diggs himself. I don't know Tay Diggs. Tay but, Diggs himself seems to be a yeah, very nice guy. Yeah, but the character is not a cool dude right. in any of those movies. Yeah. So, but he's like the love interest, which is hilarious to me. Very true. So, but I, I'm cool that Lorenz Tate ran away. I'm, hey, a, I'm a Lorenz Tate fan. So hey, absolutely. I was happy to see Lorenz. Uh, fan of all those actors. I am. Well, you know. I could take a leave, Morris. Um, hey, you know. We also got a question from the billion dollar couple Tribbles. All right. Uh, Steve. The Tozens. The Tozens. Steve asked us since her early French movies were anything but black movies. Yeah, I remember. Uh, she was the only person of color in yeah. the movie pictured. Can I get your opinion of Josephine Baker? Have you seen Zuzu or any of her early full length movies? I actually, and I actually said to them, I, I've, I don't know if I've. Well, I know I haven't. I've never seen a, um, a Josephine Baker a Josephine film. Baker I know that I... I, like, I mean, I've seen I've, footage. Footage. I've seen the banana dance, but I've never actually seen a film. I've never seen her film. I'm only partly through the massive tome that is her uh, biography that was released in graphic novel form earlier okay. this year. Um, and it's an interesting read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she d- definitely led a very interesting life. You to- think she was a spy? I know there's some scholarship that suggests she was a spy. I don't think so. I don't think that she was a spy. I think that she might have been made to have been a spy. Like I could see them like maybe hiding stuff. Right, right, okay. But I but I haven't gotten to that part in it okay. just yet. All right. Um but um, we need to check out some Josephine Baker. Yeah, but by his but like he says I don't know if they will be considered black films. Well, they're not American, but they might be black. Do you think? She's I mean, definitely I mean, the only person of color yeah, in them. Right, right. Well, well, I'd have to see him. And I don't know if she... We have to see, like, is she, the, see is she at least the star? Right, right. Because, right. you, know, you know, if it's like my argument for Paris Blues, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's that very European, almost fetishization of blackness. Right. If you take her out of it, mm-hmm. the whole thing collapses. Okay. But I don't know. We don't know. We don't know about that. It it might be worth watching the film, doing a review on on it, 
if for no other reason than using that as an exercise to get into chronicling her life and speaking about her life. There you go. Because I think that she is somebody that is worthy yeah, to oh, be yeah, spoken, absolutely. spoken absolutely. of, you know, yeah. uh, in this realm. It, it certainly is not the realm where she made her fortune right, in movies, right, right. Um, but she did do movies. And, you know, let's be honest, how many people are really giving her the praise due Right, right. For what she did. Right. Now, that, that great being, Lynn Whit- Whitfield. Yeah, that movie, which HBO movie, which was you know wasn't bad. I liked it a lot. I, I need to see it again. I will say this though: uh, on our Facebook group, Steve and Alara, the ten billion dollar triple, don't want it. She definitely was in the in the Josephine Baker camp as well. When they posted this on the question, they posted a picture. Yes. Of Josephine Baker up here that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an amazing picture. And I'm definitely going to be seeing if I can't get that into a print. I would have that up in my yes. house. Yeah. It yeah. really is a really dope picture. I like that. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Um, we, what else did we have? Oh, just a, a short, we had, um, who was this? Who, 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 somebody sent us. Somebody sent me a link, you know, because I put up a Simpsons clip with Blackula. Yes, yes, it was Blackula. is is from uh, Blackula meets Black Dracula. Right. So somebody, uh, I see your Simpsons clip. Oh, that was me. Oh, was it you yeah, it that put me. on the Jefferson Twilight? Yeah, yeah, Jefferson Twilight. Yeah, from the Venture Brothers. Yes. I only hunt Blackulas. Oh, so you only hunt African American vampires? No, sometimes I hunt British vampires. They don't have African Americans in England. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good point. So I hunt Blackulas. Well, I was just trying to be... Man, I specialize in hunting black vampires. I don't know what the PC name for that is. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. Oh, the Venture Brothers. I love... Which, again, brings me to... Uh, brings us to another question. Someone, uh, Steve Tozen, wanted to know, what is your take on the Venture Brothers, one of his favorite shows ever? I love the Venture Brothers. I do, too. I, I love the Venture Brothers. I think it does... You, you know that that great job of sort of you know it c- kind of starts as as a you, you know a Hanna Barbera cartoon you know adventure cartoons obviously Johnny Quest mm-hmm. but so many other things they pull in and it starts as a pastiche and then turns into something much more interesting it does than the ingredients that went into it yeah once you get and I do think that especially having watched its most recent season mm-hmm. that it has gotten to the point however yeah that if you are not steeped oh yeah in venture brothers oh yeah you are not enjoying oh yeah this. you're done you're done yeah yeah like this 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 is this is a college thesis level you've got to know venture brothers but you know i like stuff like that no i do like i, I like, like it stuff too that it gets to the point where it says you know well you know, you missed the rod. Yeah, this is this is for whoever has right, been flying. Right, right. You know, you can start at the beginning and try and catch up, but don't think you're just going to drop in. Yeah, and but but that being said, I think it's a daunting task telling people to start from Absolutely. the beginning because it's already like five seasons. Yeah, in, you know, but um, it's a great show. I yeah, yeah big I fan of Venture Brothers. Love the Venture Brothers. I had an idea. Okay, because we're overdue for a binge lounge. We are, and people have different ideas of of have bounced around about binge lounge. What you know? Oh, this could be a make a good binge lounge. This could make a good binge lounge. 
And, and while our binge lounge tends to bounce all over the place anyway. Yeah. Because we're just lounging and binging. We're just lounging and binging. I thought to kind of talk about our inner child. Okay. It might be fun, since it is no more, to talk about our history with Saturday morning cartoons. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one because it can go a lot of different ways. Yeah. 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 I think that might be I like cool. That. Yeah. So <laughs> eventually we'll get a Believe around. it or not, that kind of bleeds a little bit. <laughs> bleeds into my read of, of Blade. Really? Why I think Blade succeeds so well. Well. Yeah. Then let's take that segue oh, where it leads us. segue. And get into our review of Blade. You better wake up. The world you live in is just a sugar-coated topic. There is another world beneath it. The real world. For thousands of years, they have existed among us. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. A secret nation. Our livelihood depends on our ability to blend in with a lust for power. We should be ruling the humans. These people are our food. They've got their claws into everything. Politics, finance, real estate. There's a war going on out there. He makes the weapons. I use them. Now, one will lead them to conquer mankind. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. We're going to be gods. And one will try to stop him dead. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Half human. Blade's mother was attacked by a vampire while she was pregnant. Half immortal. You got the best of both worlds. All our strengths. None of our weaknesses. He is their greatest fear. And our only hope. It's open season on all vampires. Snipes, Stephen Dorff. You're one of them, aren't you? No, I'm something else. Blade. Blade, 1998 American vampire superhero film. Directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David S. Goyer, loosely based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. The film stars Wesley Snipes in the title role with Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson, and Mbushi Wright in supporting roles. The film, in the film, Blade is a vampire with human traits who protects humans from vampires, including his arch nemesis deacon frost this 1998 film which features a cameo by sanaa lathan and also stars of gotham fame donald logue is the film selection of vince it is on this trek on the michelle mission on this stop on the michelle mission so what say the of blade what say me of Blade? So many ways to start talking about Blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- but I think the best way to start 
and to go ahead and, and acknowledge it because I don't think it's as acknowledged as it should be. Blade is before everything. Yep. Blade is before the Matrix. Is it? Matrix is 99. Okay. Blade is before um, Underworld. Mm-hmm. And in any of these sort of leather, leather vampires. Yep. Blade is before X-Men. Yes. And most importantly, well, maybe not most importantly, Blade is before Iron Man. Yes. Blade really is the beginning of a new wave of action movie, adventure movie, fantasy movie, if you will. Like it really is, you, you know, I always call them the, the leather movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, where the protagonists wear leather because even if you look at something like the Batman films, mm-hmm. they aren't leather. It's more of a body armor. Yes, especially Michael Keaton. Right, the Keaton, right. Uh, Blade is the beginning of that. So, you know, always like to get that down. And I'll come back to why I think that's important in a moment, which surprisingly also goes back to the Saturday morning cartoon conversation. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I think Blade is one of the first films that we've watched where I kind of grappled with what does perfect mean? Mm. Like, does perfect mean without imperfection? Or does perfect mean, you know, this is this sort of film that aimed for these heights? Exactly. Succeeds in what it's it's going for. Sort of aesthetic, you you know, totality, if Mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. Because if it's the first definition... I cannot find fault with this film. Mm. I can't find something that I kind of look at it and say, oh, if they would have done this, it would have made it better. Mm. For years, I didn't like Stephen Dorff's Deacon Frost. Okay. But today, it really clicked. He's the douchey guy at the club. Right. Like, that's who he's supposed to be. And he embodies it fully. Mm-hmm. Chris Christofferson Chris mm-hmm. as Whistler as the corner sort of grizzled mentor father figure is fantastic Yeah, he's excellent and Boucher Wright does not have a lot to do but what she has to do I think she does it well you believe that she's an ordinary woman mm-hmm. that has been thrown into this world mm-hmm. you can believe that she was a, a, a doctor a physician Mm-hmm. I think they give her just enough backstory to kind of develop her enough when she's thrown into this that you kind of think that she was a person. Got to talk about Sanai Lathan. Like you call it a cameo, and I guess technically it's a cameo, mm-hmm. but it's so good. Mm. This is actually my second favorite Sanai Lathan performance. Really? It is after, obviously, loving basketball. Mm. Love Sanai Lathan in this. And I'm not a huge Sanai Lathan fan. Mm-hmm. I think the storyline is straightforward and, and is just this wonderful encapsulated narrative with a beginning, a middle, and an end. I think the set design, I think the costuming, this is a fully realized world that Blade inhabits. Yeah. And then all of this is is sort of, you know, anchored by Wesley Snipes. 
which this is our, I believe, third Wesley Snipes film, if we include Mo Betta Blues. Okay. We talked about it with um, New Jack, New Jack City. City, how Wesley Snipes has these moments in his, in his career where he really, you, you know, again, going back to that word we were using during the mail, he has these iconic roles. Right. And Wesley Snipes is absolutely perfect as Blade. I think he has the physicality. I think he has the martial arts prowess. How about this? This this film has better martial arts than Black Belt Jones. Black Belt Jones and The Last Dragon. <laughs> yes. I think Wesley Snipes has the the acting ability that there are, you know, one or two, not a lot, you know, there are one or two scenes where he is called upon to act mm-hmm. and he nails the scenes. Yeah. And then I always forget Wesley Snipes is hilarious. <laughs> He's got humor that he does so well. And finally, to go back to what I said about the Saturday morning cartoons, talk a lot about the genre films. You know, we, we, we talk about Star Trek. We, we've talked about this before with, you know, the Batman, the Superman films. And something that I always go back to is that once you get a certain property that is generating a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. People can only do so much with it artistically because of, of the lunchbox. Exactly. You know, I always right. say you're not going to mess up the lunchbox money. Blade is the perfect example of what happens when no one is worried about lunchboxes. Right. Like this is a film that, and and we, we actually, you know, back to our Facebook group, my, my very good friend Les Dixon was posting his experience with Blade. He worked for, for TVT Records mm. at the time. And they he actually did the uh, soundtrack. They, he did the soundtrack. So I remember in because, you know, he's, you know, black nerd blurred like me. So I remember at the time talking about Blade coming out. And, you know, the story that I've always heard from him and from other sources is is Wesley Snipes like you know, all black nerds who got famous wanted to make a Black Panther film. And Marvel said, you know, well, you know, I don't know we're going to do that, but you can do this with Blade. And those of you that don't know, Blade was a very obscure character in Marvel. He was a black vampire hunter in Dracula. There was a long-running Dracula comic series. So it really is this sort of throwaway character. And he wasn't even he and it wasn't he wasn't like a daywalker. He wasn't a daywalker. He was really just a vampire hunter. He was shaft hunting vampires. And if you look at his early appearances, it is it's it's nothing there. Right. And you know, sidebar, I remember when this was going on and he told me that Wesley Snipes wanted to make a Black Panther film and this is like 96, 97 I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my entire life that really? somebody thought that there could be a Black Panther film like who in the world is going to make a Black Panther movie you, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life next you'll tell me that you might as well make a Luke Cage television show and you know <laughs> maybe one day we'll have a black president too this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard so I remember this was sort of developing. Oh, it's going to be a Blade movie and this, that, and the other. And David Goyer, who we haven't mentioned, Mm -hmm. really, you know, who writes the script and, you know, in a lot of ways envisioned a lot of this world. You know, from what I understand, Wesley Snipes, whose company produced the film, had, had, you know, some contributions as well. They take this throwaway character 
and create something almost brand new. Mm -hmm. And it's this perfect little film that you can tell they're not interested in setting up a franchise. Like, you know, the end is open-ended, but he's gotten rid of the big bad. He's, you know, there is no returning villain that Mm -hmm. they established. He kind of closes the loop on his character development. Like, if there was never another Blade film, this stands on its own. Yes. And I love that. And I loved it. And I love this movie. I like the movie a whole lot. Okay. I and I maybe I maybe stopped short of saying that I love it. And that's only because now I've watched it more with a critical eye. Okay. Um but I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Wesley Snipes is pitch perfect with this film. And when this film, at least according to Wikipedia, if they're, if they're to be believed, was an original development back in 1992, um, the first person that showed interest in starring in this film was LL Cool J. I could not begin to imagine this with LL Cool J. Right. Um, but David Goyer said, no, I think Wesley Snipes will be the person for it and, and the rest is history. Wesley Snipes is pitch perfect for this film. He brings the the physicality. He brings the acting chops. He brings the humor. He brings the relatability. He you believe um, that he is the baddest mofo in the room when he is in the room. Um, he he he's just he's just letter perfect. Chris Christopherson, who up until that point I hadn't seen in like ever, right? When I saw him show up in this, I'm like, they dug up Chris Christopherson? <laughs> Are y'all serious? But he did he did work. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing he was doing it. Chris Christopherson. I was like, all right, I'm with you with Chris Christopherson. Look at you doing your bad self. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, I'm cool with that. I was I was with it. Donald Logue, who is uh, um, at that point a rising character actor, funny, on point. You know, um, Stephen Dorff. A little Stephen Dorff goes a long way with me too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could I could dig it. I I bought into the world that they created in this film. The world building is 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 pitch perfect. I mean, like, um, the sets that they built here in Fort in uh, Los Angeles are, you know, they're, it's a lower budget film, but it's, I think like you were saying, it's, this movie is a testament to what you can do when you don't care about the lunch boxes. Right. I think this is also a testament to what you can do when you don't have the budget and you have to improvise. Like, okay. like there's a whole scene, there's a whole car chase scene that is nothing but speeded up video. <laughs> Yet it worked. Yeah. It yeah. worked. It fit in perfectly with this film. You know what I mean? Um, there are scenes where uh, Blade is driving like the the baddest car in America. But you don't necessarily know that it's the baddest car in America. But yet, it, when it pulls into the scene, there's wind machines blowing and it's blowing all this this paper and trash around it. Looks like a bad car to me. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it. They just made it work. Um, the fight choreography. There's nothing outstanding about it, except that where 
th- where Wesley Snipes, who is a uh, a martial artist, you know, can definitely pull off the moves. The 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 director Stephen Norrington smartly frames each move, each moment. To like, hey, we're not going to have the, the greatest choreography, but we can show Wesley off. Right. Wesley's body and his movements are shown off to like, like Wesley has never looked this. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. No. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. That's so that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Just like great. I was like, that's a bad looking brother right there. Yeah. And one of my favorite scenes is one of the throwaway scenes in this movie um first of all you saying that this has better martial arts uh action than the last dragon (laughs) and the bar is not set too high with the last dragon but it is a shame that it has better martial arts artistry than black belt jones because jim kelly was a martial artist yeah yeah who needed a stunt man for his roundhouse kicks. All right. Yeah, let's keep it. Wesley Snipes does a move here in this movie where near the end where he kicks a dude as he's coming running at him, keeps his leg straight, never drops it, and then kicks him again. Yes. And it's Wesley Snipes. Yeah. At which point, dude drops to his knees and Wesley Snipes just casually walks by the dude and just pushes him by the head. I have replayed that move that move, <laughs> move so many times in the past. I was It did my heart such glee to see that somebody made it into a gif. <laughs> <laughs> so I've literally, I have... I have you talk about falling into holes. I have fallen into holes just watching that game. Oh boy. I love that. I, I love that scene. Um so I truly, truly I, I am in the bag for for Blade. This watch of it though, mm-hmm. however, it's uh illustrated to me the shortcomings of David Goyer. Okay. Who is a writer I don't mind. When he's got somebody else writing with him, such as on the uh, the Chris Nolan Batman films, when he has Chris Nolan and Chris Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan, writing with him on the stories. Left to his own devices, his stories are a little thin. The story here, while it is a perfect comic book story, but let's not, you know, like, you know, 
mince words that most comic books are like high literature. Right. You know, there's there's only there's a reason why the Watchmen in Dark Knight Returns stand above the you know, the rest. And David Goyer is not the writer of either of them. Right. The whole idea of getting the 12, I mean, I'm admittedly as a MacGuffin, you know, getting the 12 vampire gods or whatever, I don't know, firstborn or mm-hmm. council. Council. Um, so that they can then you they need Blade's blood to raise the vampire god La Magra. Yes. This whole thing. Even though they've been talking about it throughout the entire film, it still felt like it came out of left field and made absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. You didn't know why he was doing this. Why wouldn't anybody else have wanted to? It, it just made absolutely zero sense. He's transferring this he's he's tra- Deacon Frost is translating this ancient text to find out, you know, uh how I can raise this vampire guy, but meanwhile, he's already got this great big temple already bought that presumably he's translating the text to figure the heck, heck out. Right. But the whole thing's already built. Right. You know, and you, you I didn't think it was the same place. Well, it certainly it, it it looked like it was it, it, right. it, if it wasn't no it wasn't the same place. It looked like what he was tra- he, what he was translating to have built. He already had it built. Right. So right. what was he translating? Right. Well, I thought he was finding. It. I just thought he found it. I, I assumed that there was some. He either built it or got found it or you know was it was already built, but then it gave him directions to where it was. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. It, it 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 just annoyed. It annoyed you this time. It did. It did annoy me, okay. and it, it also annoyed me. And this annoys me sometimes in, in in TV, and I I don't like it necessarily in the movie. Even though I guess it always happens in the movies where you think somebody has gotten away, and everybody finds out where everybody is. Right. Like you never get any sense of how they found out where everybody is. Right. But they just found out that there was absolutely no reason why they should have found out where Whistler was. Right, right. They found they found the hot. But they but they, all of a sudden they come walking in right. after de- dealing with. Bl- with Blade. Right. All of a sudden, you know, they're there. Um, it, and th- there was no kind of like hint as to why they figured that out. And I guess that was a, a, a little bit of a, a story hole that, that stuck with me on this watching. Um, it's not a big thing. It, it certainly didn't take away from me enjoying the film. Again, when a film has so much going for it, you kind of like allow, make right. certain allowances. And I've made the allowances over the year, but sure. now in critiquing it, I, I, I feel like they, I should bring them up. Because that is what keeps the film from being like this perfect film. Sure, that you, that sure. You, without flaw. I without flaw, right, right. right. Because I do, but I see it as a perfect comic book film because sure. it, it feels like a comic book. Even some of the framing feels comic book. I got the feeling that Deacon Frost had been monitoring Blade the whole time. Mm. And maybe I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm being generous with the read. Like right. like when he knew all of the facts about Blade's life and, and this True. and the other, I got the feeling that he had been watching him and, you know, he knew about Whistler and the whole thing. And as far as the thing with the Council of, of Twelve... 
or how 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 deep are like I promise I wouldn't do this early in the episode. And we we about we definitely a half hour, so we're almost forty minutes into it. Can we take can, can we take would you, would you permit me to take a deep dive, please? Here's the thing about vampire stuff. So if you go back to to Bram Strucker mm-hmm. and, and Dracula and, and mm-hmm. sort of the classic Western use of the image of the vampire, mm-hmm. vampires you get two things: sexual transgression. Yes. Which we haven't talked about yet in yes. here. And class anxiety. Yes. A lot of class anxiety. Yes. And I think the thing that I like about Blade is that Blade is like you can just watch it as an action movie and this, that, and other. But it's more here if you want it. Yeah. Okay. And I think this whole subplot about pure breeds mm-hmm. versus vampires who have been turned. Mm-hmm. And the sentiment that the the council of twelve is is basically from the old world. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at how they're made up, you, you know most of them are very kind of Europeany looking. There's the one guy with with the you know for lack of a more elegant term, the tribal tattoos. Yes, that looks like he's from an old world. And I would bet one American dollar that if that brother with the locks had opened his mouth, he was from the continent of Africa. And then the everyone who had been turned, there's this notion that they're all Americans or, or you know, they, they appear younger than. All. So what I got from that was that Deacon Frost representing this this lower class of vampires mm-hmm. was always looking for some way to get one over. Yes. On this. Yeah, class. Yeah. So that to me, that was enough reason for him to be doing what he was doing. doing what he was doing all this class stuff this that and the other and that didn't bother me mm-hmm. because i you know again i just assume there's all th- and i have to say i'm not a huge vampire movie person but when you look at sort of the list of vampire films mm-hmm. this is one of, and, and i mentioned underworld this is one of the first films that kind of alluded to a vampire society. Yes, a vampire like, society, like, like, a vampire culture. Right. At, in 98, we're still yes. doing Anne Rice frilly shirt vampires mm-hmm. and you had, you know, some kind of near dark Lost Boys yeah. kind of rock vampires. Yeah. But this sense that, you know, there could be this whole society yeah. kind of lurking right under the surface. Well, I do think I do think that uh, in, in regards to vampires, Blade did um open up like the a re-examining of the lore right be whether it be um looking at it from more of a so uh, as a society or a culture or or even picking at it and trying to find different ways to tell the vampire story i'm thinking of um, specifically the comic book and the subsequent movie 30 days of night and, and right. it's whole read on the vampires like you know why wouldn't they just be smart enough to just go to africa when they got 30 days of night they can just go go hog wild right and that's like 10 years after this yes yeah you know what i mean so um which which tellingly when you say that that's 10 years after that is one of the legacies of 
this movie. Absolutely. In that, you know, in its wake, you have Underworld, 30 Days of Night, True Blood. You know, you've got all um, the the Twilight films. Right. All of that leads back to Blade. And we take for granted this notion of a vampire society and this, that, and the, which, you know, again, you didn't see that much of. No, you didn't. Sexual transgression part. Mm-hmm. Sanaa Lathan's character, who yeah. plays, I mean, you know, it's the Michelle mission. So, you know, the big twist is that his mother, Vanessa, Vanessa did not die in childbirth. She was turned. Mm-hmm. I thought she perfectly captured sex and ickiness because she's his mom. And was kind of like. And was and was very. And, you know, in this sense, you, you know, on. back to what I think uh, Joseph Lechuga talked about, you know, when you die and you come back. And then she says, your mother died. Yeah. Years ago. I'm someone different now. Mm-hmm. But it is. It was this wonderful kind of ickiness. It was. To her that I loved. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought she did. I thought she did well in that role. I also liked and appreciated that um, while Blade was stopped in his tracks upon first coming across her afterwards and he, you know, he, he makes his escape and then encounters her. He is, he's quick to do away with her. Oh yeah. He's, he's in within the span of time of him being captured and everything. He's reconciled because you didn't, because a lot of movies would have played for him, you know, like the, the beat of, you know, like, Sorry, Mama. You know, or something like that. Well, again, she escapes at the end, and she comes back in the sequel that'll be out in summer of two, the summer of two thousand one. It'll be our tentpole film. Look out for Blade Two. Did she escape in the end? No, that's my point. No oh. one escapes in the end. Right. No one escapes in the end. It is a closed circuit. It is. I'm you about know? to say, yeah, that, that, yeah. Everybody's like pretty. Right. Uh, deceased at the end of this film. You know, there's no love scene in this thing. No. Which I always forget because when he does eventually suck um, Helen's blood. Not Helen. What's her name? Um, In Bushi Wright. In Bushi Wright. Yeah, her character's name. You know, it's very sexual. It is. You know, it's very, you know, they really kind of hammer home. I talked about sexual transgression. You, you know, at one point she says that the, the vampires that have turned have a sexually trans, they're sexually transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. So they really hammer that home. They do. But, um, you know, I think Blade is a fascinating character. So, you know, there's no love interest. There's, you, you know, obviously he's in a great deal of pain, but it's all very non-demonstrative pain. Right. You, you know, there isn't a whole lot of woe is me looking mm-hmm. out the window. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I do enjoy it. Um, I thought that I think that the the final, final, final bat, battle between him and Steven Dorff, eh, I could do. I, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to read that that wasn't their original I was about take. To say they added it, yeah. You know that they actually reshot that because originally he was supposed to become like this blood monster, right? Which there are hints of it in yes. the in it's still there. Um, but they they reshot it so that he fights actually Stephen Dorff's character. Um, that that didn't do, do a whole lot for me. Um, 
But it, you know, it it had to happen. Like it's it's a comic book. Well, it had to happen so that he could have the line that some mother blankers always want to ice skate uphill. That's a bad line. It's a bad line, but it's so bad that it travels all the way around, and it becomes an awesome line. It does, but it becomes an awesome line because it's Wesley Snipes. Because it's which. I don't think Wesley Snipes gets enough credit for what he brought to this film, quite honestly. And I think that bears out in the short-lived television show, Blade the Television Series. Oh, you mean it because this, we're, th- we're, that show wasn't successful? That show wasn't successful, but I maintain that the main reason that show wasn't successful was because you can't fill Wesley Snipes' shoes that easily. No, you can't. And, you know, God bless Sticky Fingers. But he looked like he was doing Blade cosplay. He sure did, and not even that good. No, no. So because because it's not it's not just Wesley Snipes' physicality. Exactly. Because Wesley Snipes is as a freakishly you know put together guy, right? Um, and it it's not even necessarily just his acting, which is phenomenal. I think that Wesley Snipes doesn't get the credit as an actor Absolutely. that he deserves. Um, but it's also just his charisma. Yes. Wesley Snipes it just oozes charisma in everything that he does. Yeah. Every yeah. single thing, whether it be to Wong Fu, love Julie Newmar, to... Um, uh, to Blade, to New Jack City, to Jungle Fever. Yeah. It doesn't matter what he does. Even as like the fourth or fifth wheel in The Expendables 3. Right, right. Wesley Snipes and um, Antonio Banderas are the best things happening in those movies. You know what? I've never seen an Expendables film. You're missing nothing. <laughs> You're missing absolutely nothing. Unless you want to progressively watch the degenerating of Sylvester Stallone's neck to the point where he he is now Michael Keaton in first Batman and cannot turn his neck around. Unless you want to watch that, there is no reason to watch Expendables 1 or 2. Okay. I do contend, Wesley Snipes, they don't do a whole lot with. I do contend that Expendables 3 is worth watching. Wow. Only for one, Wesley Snipes is having fun. Okay. If you still remain any type, if within you still remains any type of affection for Mel Gibson, he's having fun. Okay. But most importantly, Antonio Banderas is having a ball. Okay. And I, Antonio Banderas, I love Antonio Banderas. And he is having so much fun in this movie. He made me want to watch it. Okay. I went to the bathroom when he wasn't on the screen. Very random, but okay. Because Antonio Antonio Banderas is just just a guy that looks like he's enjoying life. Just having a good time being Antonio Banderas. And who wouldn't? And who wouldn't? He's Antonio Banderas. Banderas. I would be Antonio Banderas. 
You know what I noticed for the first time? What? Well, I, I paid attention to it when I watched it this time. They said that Blade ages. They did. Like like like, like regular humans. Right. I think that which I had never picked that up before. I picked that I've always picked that up because I think that was um a tell for, you know, Blade himself, but I think it was more for a tell for when he then comes upon his mother. Right. Right. You know, right. for the, for just the ickiness of that to right. just really permeate. But also, if you you know, and I think I think Wesley Snipes is the head of this campaign, if they ever actually folded Blade into the Marvel cinematic universe, he could just be the age he is now. Yes. Well, we talked about it on Black Tribbles. Yeah, I heard, yeah. So I'll mention it here on a show mission because I think if my my man, uh, um, the director of Black Panther, uh, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler, if it's not too late, if you haven't already done this, you want to guarantee your movie three hundred million dollars. Three hundred million dollars opening. Yes, more because every black Negro, colored African American. Nubian in America is going to go see it when it first comes out. So 300 million more. Okay, 300 million more. So if you want if you want a 1 billion dollar weekend open first yes. weekend opening. Have this movie open. Yes. With T'Challa. We've already seen him as Black Panther. We so have. you don't, so you, you don't don't have to keep him secret. Right. Have him thanking someone standing sitting on the throne throngs around him thanking someone for helping him with like uh rid wakanda of this this infestation you know um i don't understand why you will only accept these three pieces of gold but if that's all that you want you know then go go with god and then the camera flips and the person that he's thanking is blade is blade yes and wesley snipes doesn't do anything just cracks a smile it turns and dips turns and dips that's all you need every African American alive will show up just to see that just scene just to see that scene that would be a powerful scene it would yeah that's all you need I want him to show up in Doctor Strange no I mean he's mystical He's no, kind of mystical. No, he doesn't need to be in just Doctor want, Strange. He just won't be in Black Panther. Just all the black. That's all you need. Like, I don't never need to see him in another movie. Now, a, trust me, Wesley will want to make another movie. I think Old Blade might be interesting. I think Old Blade might be interesting. I think it might be cool. Yeah. I think uh, here. Here's the thing. Here's a, Marvel. If you're listening, Marvel. If you're listening, you don't have the rights to the X Men to put them in your movies. Right. But old Blade can be your old man Logan that's, in your that's Marvel movies. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Old Blade, do his thing. Remember they were they were they were floating a new series with his hot sexy daughter that never they never published. Thank God. Remember last year, <laughs> hot sexy daughter Blade. Yeah, they, yeah. Thank God that did not need to happen. Not at all. Now then, as we move towards the end, you know there are a lot of people. Who say that Blade 2 is a better film than Blade? No. Are you one of them? You're not one of them. No. It, it Blade 2 
definitely has, you know, it's, it's got its action. Yeah. So, so the action is is is, is ratcheted up mm-hmm. in that um, deep in vampire mythos, and it, it goes deeper into the vampire mythos a little bit. But but again, it plays on like the 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 end of the the movie is basically the same thing. We need the Daywalker's blood for whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think that it's a, a better film. Okay. Than this one, I think th- I think this is like. Um, a, just a strong, solid film. I actually would have enjoyed I mean, it because I think they doubled down on, on, in Blade Trinity, which is just a mess. Yeah, well, Blade Trinity is. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that Blade is and Wesley Snipes is enough of a character. He doesn't need the distractions of like the blood pack or whatever they were yeah. called. In, yeah. In, in number two. Yeah. I, I no. I, don't get me wrong. I like Blade Two. I like Blade Two too, but it's not as well. Right. But I'm like you. I, I've it, like it seemed like as the films went on, and this is what I mean about Wesley Snipes doesn't get enough credit. Mm-hmm. As the films go on, there's less and less Blade in them. Exactly, and you get the feeling that people think that the leather and the and the glyphs and the tattoos on people's backs and uh, people's necks, all of that is what makes Blade Blade. Yeah, but and it's not. It's not. No, it's a but I, I see. I think, I think all of that is especially especially by the time you get to Trinity. I think all of that is an attempt to siphon off the power, right, off of Wesley Snipes, right. You know, um, so that he has thus is has less and less invested in the project. Yeah. Um and and with that loses more and more ownership yeah. of the oh, character. Yeah. Now I think Wesley Snipes' portrayal of Blade, especially in one and two, is so iconic that if they try to remake Blade now, especially with Wesley Snipes, you know, while he's not a young man anymore, right. He's he's far from like this walking, you know. From what I understand, African American skin doesn't age that much. I feel like there's there should be a saying for that that kind of rhymes. You know, African American skin doesn't age that much. That doesn't really roll off. African American skin doesn't give in. African American skin. You know they say. You know what they say. African American skin doesn't give in. There's something like that. Something like that. Something so, so, like that. So yeah, you know they say African American skin doesn't give in. Exactly. So so yeah, he could yeah, Wesley could still be. He could absolutely still be playing <laughs> playing the role. Is you know African American skin don't give in. Yeah, we got to play around with it. We got we, we, we'll workshop it. <laughs> we'll workshop it. You know, once you go Negro. It's not oftentimes that you return to from whence you came. I believe it is. Yeah, did Was Shakespeare it, say yeah, that? Yeah, you, you know. So, but yes, yes, I think you're right. Yes, Shakespeare said that. Yes, Shakespeare said that. It's, it's an early draft of <laughs> Othello. Othello. It's an early draft of Othello. <laughs> says the Desdemona. Once, once you've, once you have. Once you have nupped Yon Moore, 
Night Not often whence shall you return from whence you came. Once you have nupped yon more. Not often shall you return from whence thou came. Never, <laughs> never more. Never. Right. 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 Oh, sorry. So, it's an early draft. It's an early draft. It's an early draft of Othello. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it would be difficult. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, <laughs> would you recommend people that they watch Blade? I absolutely would recommend people watch Blade. But as much as I would recommend people watch Blade, I would also recommend people read about Blade. What do you mean by read about Blade? I mean, read about the development. Because I really do think that we take for granted that all these like like everything's just a franchise mm-hmm. like everything's a franchise and everything's a big thing and everything and i feel like blade is one of the last films the last action films the last adventure films like genre films let's say okay that had no intention of being anything but this film Okay, and I think the story of Marvel being in bankruptcy. I think mm. the story of, of 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 David Goyer and Wesley Snipes kind of bringing their own thing to it. I think all of that. If you are interested in films, and if you're interested in genre films, like even if you don't like comics and stuff, I think that whole story of Marvel in the beginning when they started to make these movies, yeah, is fascinating yeah it it, it bears i don't know if we never necessarily hit it on the head because there may be people that don't realize it not only blade is a marvel character but this is not a marvel movie this is not a marvel this is a new line movie right um and this like you say this preceded the x-men this preceded any marvel um movie right and or any uh, major Marvel feature film, film. Star, well, no, it, it preceded any feature film, major feature film starring a Marvel television, a, a Marvel Comics character. Right. And it preceded the Marvel Studio films. It's worth saying that, you know, part of the reason that, that they don't and they don't have the X-Men, they don't have the Fantastic Four. And only share Spider-Man. And they share Spider-Man. So it's because when they were in bankruptcy, when people came and and they were plucking meat off the carcass, Mm -hmm. they took what they thought were the prime properties. Right. Which was the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man. Yes. So that, you know, it's it's crazy to think about in 2017, but Iron Man, Captain America, Thor were almost the leftovers. Yeah. You know, Terrence Howard made more than Robert Downey Jr. Exactly. On the first Iron Man. Like, it really was this case of, I mean, I guess we got to do something with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, can we do something with Iron Man? Do you think people will come see a movie about Iron Man starring this reformed drug addict, jailbird, Robert Downey Jr.? I guess we should throw Terrence Howard in there. He's a professional to kind of hold the thing down so you know i'm fascinated by that and and blade leads you to all of those that's right blade is blade is the beginning blade is after the superman movies and batman movies of the 70s and 80s and 90s play out 
Blade is what is really the beginning of where we are now in right. genre films, like you said, because right. it, it in what it leads into vampire films and, and some it, which then gets it to the world of fantasy and then where it takes you in superhero films. Right. It is it it is the launch pad. And I don't know enough about the development of the Matrix to know how much of it was finished, but there are a lot of similarities between scenes, between images of Blade and the first Matrix. Well, it's um I mean, certainly the Wachinski brothers had been working on it before it was released. Uh, Wachowski brothers. Wachowski brothers, yeah, rather. But. And and and, but also, it's it's worth noting that the Wachowski brothers are and their development of um, the Matrix has a little bit of controversy behind yes. it. You know, it's, truth be told, there there are stories out there about you know where did the the uh, beginnings of the Matrix come from was it truly the Wachowskis or was it maybe something that was uh, plucked from other other sources other sources but that story for it's a shame Grant Morrison isn't sitting here from what I understand he has it he thinks he's got a claim on it yeah there's a bunch of people that think they got a claim on it but the point is Blade was before all of them Blade is before it all so all hail Blade all hail Wesley Snipes um, and this may be, I'm hard pressed to think about it. The last great black action movie. Hmm. 1998. Haven't been a whole lot since. Wow. That's. You are saying something right now. You are saying something right now. There has not been a better black action film in twenty years. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of another one. I mean, this movie is twenty years old, and I enjoyed every moment of yeah. watching it. Yeah, as if I we're going to have to go it. ahead and, and and finish the episode. We, we need to go ahead and wrap this because I cannot think of anything off the top of my head, and I'm trying to. I know, like I'm scrolling. You might be right. That is a uh, bad boys. Would you would would bad boys count? You think bad boys is better than Blade? I don't know if I do. As I, I was know, saying I don't. it out of my mouth. I know I don't. And I love bad boys. It's not better than Blade. Wow, you are saying something. not to me. Well, it's not as fun as Blade because bad boy because Blade is not like you said. It's not perfect. But Blade knows what it wants to be. Bad boys. It's it, it, it's dated. There's yeah. some stuff about Bad Boys you watch now. You're like, Ugh. you're like, ooh. So does Bad Boys not hold up as well as Blade? Is no. that your argument? I, I, yes, it does not. Wow. Oh, well, I think we have our question. Has there been a better black action movie since 1998 than Blade? Oh, is that your question? Because my question is, does Bad Boys hold up as well as Blade? Does Bad Boys hold up as well as Blade? I mean, that can be part of the question. There's two questions. Two questions. Two questions. Okay. From one show. From one show. There you go. All right. But yes, I would very much recommend. But would you recommend Blade? Hell yeah. All right. Hell yeah. This is this is a fun Saturday. Neither one of us are MFers who ice skate uphill. I can't ice skate. <laughs> Don't even try. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we want to hear from you. Hit us up in the Facebook group, The Michelle Mission. Like the like our page, The Michelle Mission. All of that's on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 
Michelle Mission or Mission Michelle. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. If you really like our show and like other podcasts like us, support Black Podcasts. Absolutely. And we ask you to go to the podcatcher of your choice and rank and give us a five-star rating if you so if you would please, because that helps us rise in search engine algorithms and helps more people find our little show here. Thank you so very much for joining us this week on the Michelle Mission. Next week, we will be reviewing Vampire in Brooklyn. Vampire in Brooklyn. Sorry, Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett. That will be our precursor for our screening coming up later that week. See, this way, for those who can't get to the screening, you know, we're going to give you a proper show that we review. Vampire in Brooklyn. Let's give it the attention that it deserves. <laughs> yes. So that 15 minute show will be coming this way. <laughs> I'm I, I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised by it. When's the last time you've seen it? I don't think I've seen it since it came. Yeah, out. I was about to say I don't think I've seen like 15 years. But even 15 years ago, I was like, this is a strange film. Is that was that your word for it? Yeah. Okay. I, I found I found other, I think tonally it's all over the place. I found we harsh, started the episode early. Harsher vocabulary. Yes. yes. Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> Let's see if I can resurrect some of that on these uh FM airwaves. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get out of here. His name is Vince. My name is Len and in parting what we say is we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.